Welcome back to SSPN Spurs fans. I'm Ethan Quintero, and joining me as always is my lovely partner in crime, Jude McLaren. But Jude, you're not just my co-host today. You're actually <laughs> the SSPN official NBA draft expert because I'm going to admit I didn't do my homework <laughs> this week. I am not as well uh, educated on Brandon Miller and who he is and what makes him a, a pretty much a top five guaranteed pick. Some people think top three pick or even number two overall pick, depending on where you fall on the spectrum. Um, so let's just jump on into this NBA draft profile of Brandon Miller. Uh, what about him, Jude, has a lot of people thinking he's the number two overall pick? Well, I hate to cut you off on your rhythm there, Ethan, because there's that's something fine. that we just we, we just got to okay. get it. We got to get it out of the way to start off. Uh -huh. And that's all the legal stuff with him, just mm. because I know that's going to be a big question. And especially yes. for like a team like the Spurs. Right. Um, yes. I think I've even said in past videos that I didn't because of the stuff off the court. Like I didn't I, I, I would think that this would not be a selection for the Spurs. Yes. And there's a lot of smoke going around right now that they're really high on the Thompson twins. And I could definitely see a world where they're higher on both of the Thompson twins than they are on Brandon Miller. Um, I know there's also some smoke around Scoot right now. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. That could be a smoke screen for maybe this being the reality of the situation. But who knows? That's all speculation, Ethan. But the one thing that I just want to kind of get out of the way is as of right now, it doesn't really seem it definitely does. It's not even doesn't really. It definitely doesn't seem like the situation with Darius Miles and everything that went on during the season um, and the investigation and everything uh, is not going to affect his stock, nor will he be, you know, um, indicted or charged with anything in that trial. And that's kind of old news at this point to kind of give you that perspective. So just wanted to get that out of the way before we go into the breakdown, because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about that, but that's why he's kind of been a consensus top three guy, Ethan. So to answer your question now, <laughs> mm -hmm. yes, um, yes. the reason that so many people have been thinking that he could potentially be, you know, even jump Scoot Henderson in this draft and why there's been so much smoke about him basically kind of solidifying himself as the top three guy in this draft, Ethan, that's what I would say, um, is because of. I mean, really, he was the best player in college basketball this year. Not only was he the most talented player, but he was the best player. And he was the best player, you know, I know that Alabama got beat by San Diego State in uh, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, somewhere around there in the NCAA tournament. But for, you know, everybody was picking them to win March Madness in their brackets. And that's because mm -hmm. for a lot of the year, they looked like the best team in the country with the best player in the country in Brandon Miller, who was first team all SEC. He was SEC freshman of the year. He was SEC player of the year. And then on top of that, uh, they won the conference and were the in the regular season and in the SEC tournament and were the number one overall seed in the tournament. So I know that Zach Eady, the big center from Purdue, technically won the Naismith Award for the best player in college basketball, just like Luca Garza did when he was at Iowa. But the in my opinion, the best basketball player in NCAA basketball this year and the most talented player in NCAA basketball this year was Brandon Miller. Mm. So he averages 19 points a game, Jude. So describe his offensive skill set. How does he manage to get that many points in a game? 
Well, a lot of it starts right with the shooting. I know, you know, people, when you look at the numbers, you know, you hear he's a shooter and then you see he's a little bit sub 40, but still he's at 38%. And he shoots at a high volume as well. And he's mm-hmm. even better than that percentage represents, in my opinion. Like I said, I think that has to do with the volume. In the last, uh, I think the Scoot Henderson video that we did, the prospect profile there, we talked about how Luca is a great shooter, doesn't shoot mm-hmm. the best percentage. That's the reason I would say he's sub 40. And I know that's also a super high mark. Like this is still a pretty good yep. percentage in college so um definitely a lot of it has to do with the shooting just because of the fact that he can shoot off the dribble and he can catch and shoot um whether and that's specifically from three but then on top of that i mean there was so much that i dove into this tape ethan i mean he's Mm -hmm. able to he's able to be creative around the rim and and when i said that that's not just with his drives you know with that acrobatic stuff that we've been talking about with scoot and victor in the last two prospect profiles we've done where he can kind of contort himself around the rim and even if there's two people you know can maybe just move himself to the right place to to get the layup not only does brandon miller do that with drives he does that also, whenever he's driving, a lot of times he'll stop on his pivot foot and then find a solid post position, which mm. will allow him to score there. And that was the thing that I was really surprised of, like watching this tape. I did watch him a good bit. I'm an LSU fan, so naturally I watch a lot of SEC basketball and Alabama is our biggest rival in a lot of different sports. So I watched them that way, too. Um, and, and what I saw from him, you know, was kind of that shooting. That was still kind of the main thing that I, you know, remembered from him in the games that I watched this year. And, and that was still something that showed up on tape, like I led with. But the thing that really stood out to me was his versatility kind of in the paint on drives, you know, and then sometimes stopping those drives and finding that pivot foot, like I just mentioned, to find post fadeaways, post hooks, um, or one-handed passes. That's another thing that we can get into. He, he has a lot of playmaking ability too, which obviously will tie into his fit with the Spurs. Um, but that ability to playmake also allows him, uh, makes his shot creation a little bit easier. And he already kind of has the bag to do that as well because of the fact that they know that he can pass to one of the other shooters on a very good Alabama team this year. So he is 6'9". What you're describing sounds like a small forward, but being 6'9", 200 pounds, he kind of has the frame to play a power forward, at least in the NBA. Where do you think he would fit in on this roster where we have KJ at the three, Sohan at the four at, at this point in time? So this is such an interesting question, Ethan. I'm glad you mentioned this because this is the first thing I was thinking of. We just made that clip about Scoot Henderson on Scoot's fit in SA. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. what is the fit for Brandon Miller on this team going to be? But before I get into that, I want to answer and touch on some other things that you said. So you Mm -hmm. mentioned just like his fit overall and potentially, you know, having the frame Mm -hmm. to be a four in the NBA. I think that he definitely has the potential to be that. He's got a seven foot wingspan as well, Mm -hmm. which really helps with, with length. Uh, at the four in that way as of right now you know when I, when it comes to his a comparison body wise I'm not saying player wise right now I'm just saying body wise it's very similar to KD because he's really you know he's skinnier right now but he's still got the height he may not be 6'10 like KD but he's still 6'9 so very similar build a little bit skinnier wiry only 200 pounds right now but I think that his frame he's got broad shoulders so I feel like he he has the frame to put on a little bit more muscle than KD could. Very similar to Devin. You know, obviously he's a little bit taller, but but a similar frame like that where he's got the frame to still put on some muscle to really be a true stretch four. Like maybe over, you know, the next four years, if he can gain 20 pounds of muscle, then you're 6'9", 220. That, that's a pretty good frame for a modern four in the NBA. Hmm. So, in Was there college- anything I missed? 
there? No, that, that was the question. Okay, yeah, that was the gotcha. question. Yeah. So, in, oh in no, how he fits with the Spurs. Sorry, I did. I oh, knew yeah. you were forgetting something because this was the Next part to... I was excited about. So, one of the things that we've talked about, um, just since the season has winded down, and just you know, speculating on the potential lineups for the future of the Spurs, what we're going to do if Brandon Miller ends up going to the Spurs. I don't know. I don't want to guarantee anything because you just never know with, with Pop and these guys and, and who knows what they'd end up doing. But I, this is if you're going to move Sohan to point guard, this is someone who you could just, okay, draft him. There's your starting lineup um, mm. because you can plug him in at the four. And the thing that also works out there, Ethan, is Sohan can still play the four on defense. So any questions that you have about Brandon Miller's frame, like, okay, maybe he's not, you know, he's coming in 6'9", 200 pounds, kind of a KD-like frame, like I mentioned. Maybe, you know, the one thing that could definitely happen to him at the four in the NBA is get bullied a little bit in the post. Well, you can remedy that. Maybe you even have him guard the two if you want Keldon to still guard the three because his physicality is a little bit more up to snuff in the NBA. And then in that situation, it's like you've got a 6'9 dude guarding a two guard, which is a mismatch in itself. So obviously that's one specific scenario. Um, another thing that I thought of too, just, you know, if the Spurs are like, hey, we're drafting best player available, we end up getting number three in the lottery, Victor and Scoot go, and they just, you know, I know there's all this smoke I mentioned earlier about the Thompson twins, but if they really are just like, as they normally are, best player available, and, you know, they did their research and they feel comfortable with the legal situation and they take him at number three, I mean, maybe another situation could be that you move Devin to the one I know that sounds crazy right now but he has the playmaking ability if you want the best five out there and it's like Brandon Miller's not going to be a backup he's just not like he's going to be a starter moving forward and if you want to dive into his potential more later we can do that too but I think two potential lineups for the Spurs if they draft Brandon Miller maybe he's not a starter right away but I mean Sohan was a starter last year so I feel like he would be and eventually he's going to get into that role regardless but Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Brandon Miller, Jeremy Sohan, Zach Collins, or Jeremy Sohan, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Brandon Miller, Zach Collins. But really, it's all kind of interchangeable because once again, if that is the scenario, they're still probably going to play Sohan at the four on defense. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quandrum. <laughs> it's a quandrum because yeah. like really the only perfect fit is probably Scoot Henderson as far as team need. Everyone else kind of plays a position that's sort of already taken, but in this era of positionless basketball, it's like, you're right, take the best player available. And if you think that's Brandon Miller, Jude, I'll trust you, you're the NBA draft expert. Uh, but, <laughs> but you day. touched on hey, yeah, but, but, but another thing just on his fit when you're talking about it he he's kind of an easy fit anywhere i know he's six mm-hmm. nine but because of the fact that he can play make and shoot off like he's coming in with catch and shoot ability he's gonna be maybe there's some defensive struggles he'll have to go through even though he still looks like a pretty solid defender which we can dive into but mm-hmm. but the main thing like I, I feel very confident he's gonna come in and be able to shoot which is gonna kind of make it easy for him to just play off of anybody you know so do you think at least for the initial couple of years that he's in the nba could you envision a role for him kind of similar to that of Michael Porter Jr., who was a great scorer in college, but now is really just a, you let that thing fly as soon as it touches your hands and you run around screens and stuff? That's a really good comparison. Um, you know, I, it, it's kind of tough because MPJ was kind of supposed to be like the number one player 
in mm-hmm. that class coming out of high school, then had the injuries at Missouri. So he kind of dropped a little bit. So I don't want to like, I don't want to put a cap on Brandon Miller's ceiling because I think he just may even have like, he may have a higher ceiling than, than Michael Porter Jr. Jr. Bluntly. Cause he didn't have, you know, all those injury issues and not to say that that's necessarily completely, you know, dampened or uh, lessened Michael Porter Jr.'s potential. Um, but I, I just feel like Brandon Miller's coming from a different scenario. So mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to cap him at that, but I think that that's a very good comparison. Okay. At least initially. when it comes to, when it comes to his play style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Actually. And now that I think about it like that, that that's probably a, a really good um, comparison for like the beginning of his career. That that's definitely for sure. Mm. What he could do. So, I'm but curious. he may he that could end up being his floor. Sorry to interrupt you again. Yeah, no, you're fine. You're you know fine. that could. I, I think that Michael Porter Jr. That's another really good comparison. Like the ceiling that we thought for Michael Porter Jr. potentially, like before all the injuries and everything. Um, I know that's really high now that I think about it. That's kind of getting into like LeBron level stuff. But coming into the draft, even when he was at 15, it was like All Star was his ceiling. Where now it kind of feels like, and, and a lot of it is just the nature of circumstance. He's on a really good team, so he's going to score less, right? Um, yeah, true. and then not get an all-star position, right? Um, For sure. But I would say that kind of an optimistic look at Brandon Miller, Michael Porter Jr. would kind of be like, like his role right now on the Nuggets. That would kind of be bland, Brandon Miller's floor. Floor, I would yeah. say. And obviously, like you said, we don't have a Jokic who's clearly like the number one option. So right. Obviously, there's that difference, uh, unless you want to count Zach Collins. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious, before we get into his defense, okay. what's his overall personality like on the court? Is he a dog? Is he kind of passive? Does he Is he animated? What did you see in that? So a lot, lot of Keldon-like screams after dunks. Um, lots of energy in those scenarios. But really, other than that, while he does get hype, it's kind of interesting. It's a dichotomy. Like he's either pretty cool or he's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like there's not really an in-between like, and, and when he, when he was screaming, it's mainly after like posters and dunks, Okay, you know, stuff like that, which is really kind of like what Kelvin is, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause he, he's not really like super verbose unless it's, you know, we're making a bunch of plays. That's kind of how I would yeah. describe, but definitely seems to have a motor to him. When I first turned on the highlights, he plays with an edge and a motor for sure. But, that was my next question. But okay. Before we get into that though, Ethan, there's just some other things I want to touch on, on these offensive notes that I feel like I yeah. haven't got to. I'm taking over your, no, you're your, your Dan Patrickness right now, but I'm, I'm going to have to do it. Okay. Absolutely. So I wrote down high flyer. That, that was one thing I noticed right off the bat in the highlights. Um, mm. I know also that he had some trouble finishing around the rim at the beginning of the year in college, but then his percentages steadily increased as the season went on. And that's when you got to see more of those posters. So that's a really encouraging sign too, because he struggled with it at the beginning of the year. And then it was like he was putting people on, you know, dunk highlights all the time as the season progressed. So that was something that I really liked to see his finishing ability inside. Um, and he's got that height at six, nine, um, so you love to see the ability to dunk on people at that height, um, shoots at a high percentage in catch and shoot and off the dribble. Um, he has a bunch of range. Another thing I want to touch on specifically, he played in the Phil Knight Invitational, which is the Nike college basketball tournament, right? That's in Oregon. So they played in the Blazers stadium and he played a couple games there against top tier opponents like North Carolina and Michigan state. 
and and he was shooting the crap out of the ball. So it was really good to see. Um, even though they did move the lineup, he was. If y'all go look at the tape, he was still shooting from NBA range. But it was good to see the shot fall in an NBA stadium because that doesn't. This is the first time. I think this is the first year the Phil Knight Invitationals happened, or if not, um, he was in it. So it was good to. It was cool to see that translation in an NBA stadium. Um, another thing I wrote down. He he has a quick twitch. He's got fast start and go ability. Like his hesitation. Like. Kind of how I told you his personality, he can turn it off and on like during the game. He can definitely do that whenever it comes to his drives, which can really confuse defenders. And that kind of goes back to his playmaking as well, which those one handed passes. If you go look at his playmaking highlights, he has so many one handed passes off the dribble. And it kind of ties into that hesitation that I was talking about. Right. So it's that same move. And so a lot of times people are like, oh, my gosh, is he about to dish it to somebody in the corner? Like the defenders having to think about passes. They're having to think about, you know, is he going to drive past me staying in front of him? So that just because he has that ability off of one hand and he uses that move and hesitation so much like that is almost like a play in itself. When a play breaks down, does that make sense? It makes sense. Yeah. It has a lot of a lot of creativity off the dribble for sure, and and it can be very confusing for defenders um, when he stops because they're not sure if he's going to pass or drive past him, and so mm-hmm. whenever they have to hesitate and think, that usually gives him the lane or he's going to be able to make the pass. But I mean, a lot of times in those situations, though, Ethan, he's beating people off the dribble anyway. Um, so that's, that's another key thing that I wanted to talk about there. Definitely can score at all three levels. Um, his biggest strengths that I wrote down are just shooting handles and length, but I'm trying to think of a, not a ceiling, but like a more like, like if everything works out a better player comp than just Michael, I got you. I got to go ahead. Do it. Chris Middleton, Paul George. I was thinking Paul George based on what you were saying. I was going to say Paul George. Okay. All right. Yeah. I would, I, I kind of lean a little bit more towards Middleton. Um, just because, just because I don't think he's as good on defense as PG is because PG's like, you know what I mean? Like he's he's been it, he's been a defender for a while. Yeah. That's something that Brandon Miller is going to develop into. But with that being said, I also feel like he, you could say that Paul George career wise has been a higher volume scorer than Chris Middleton, obviously both in the twenties, but just. You know, if we're going straight numbers, that's what it is, right? I would say mm-hmm. that Brandon Miller, though, falls while he isn't as good as Paul George defensively. Um, and I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Chris Middleton's a pretty good defender too. Um, yeah, but he he definitely falls more to Paul George on the offensive side of the ball. I keep wanting to bring up Carmelo Anthony, but the more you talk, the more the less he's like Carmelo. He, he he's post skinnier. Up like, yeah, he he only uses passer. that when he has to. Yeah. Okay. Like right. basically, sure. the main time I saw his post game was like I said on those drives. He'd see that the paint would be clogged because there'd be some rotations with his drive, and then he'd have a pivot foot, and then he'd like work some fadeaways, or maybe he'd find a put shot. But a lot of times, it, it was mainly fadeaways. So. Really a lot of jump shooting, you know. Mm. So before we jump to defense, I guess we've kind of touched on defense, but unless you have a bunch of other offensive stuff you want to mention. No, that was that was all my offense. Okay. Yeah. The two stats that we really didn't touch on that I'm really high on, 86% from the free throw line, which tells me that he's got a really good stroke. And that 38%, like you were saying, like that's only gonna go up. Like that's not bad, but that's only gonna keep getting better. 
Um, and then his you could argue he's the best game. shooter in the draft. That's another yeah. reason. Like, not only is he the best player on his team and the best player in college basketball, he's the best shooter. You could say, just straight up like consistency. Because there are obviously we. I'm really high on on Wembenyama's jump shot. I think it's going to yeah. be fine. But there have been some streakiness there. You haven't, you know, numbers wise at least. Uh, you sure. haven't seen that with Brandon Miller at all. So that's and, another and this is a more proven build as far as a mm-hmm. really consistent shooter. Like Wemby's so different that like we 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 think it's going to work out, but really it could easily flop. And we've seen um, a bunch of point guards that are super athletic and don't shoot very well still have good. success. So that's yes. the, right. Correct, correct. And in this day and age, like we talk about, having a really versatile wing, um, extremely valuable. But also eight rebounds a game. Yeah, that's great. That shows me yeah. hustle. That shows me heart. 18 and 8 in the SEC is a pretty good number. I haven't really touched on that too much. It was a little bit more of a down year in the SEC with Kentucky not having the greatest year and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. still, I mean, this conference has been, obviously it's not the same way that is in football as the Big 12 and the Big 10 um, are much more comparable in basketball. And sometimes, you know, this year you could argue the Big 12 was better and the Big 10 was better. Still, with all of the players that come out of Kentucky, Florida's got a great history. Anthony Edwards is from Georgia. Um, you know, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but there's a lot of players that have come out of the SEC in their days. Obviously, I'm an LSU guy, so Pistol mm-hmm. Pete and, and Shaq, uh, just to name you know two Hall of Famers there. Uh, he dominated this conference this year. Auburn, I'm forgetting about Auburn. Auburn's Auburn, been yeah. a perennial contender uh, over the past decade. Um, so the way that he dominated this conference this year it was really impressive. I mean, they blew out Texas A&M in the SEC final this year like by like it wasn't even a game. Like it was like they just ran away from everybody. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like they were bad teams either. It was just because of him like I don't think Alabama would have been the same Alabama this year without uh Brandon Miller. That's for sure. Um but that's the reason like that that's the reason why maybe another answer to your question that you started off this episode with Ethan why is he getting considered you know as potentially maybe jumping scoot in the number 2 pick it's because of what he did in college how dominant he was in his league and how you know really until they saw San Diego State i mean the, the march madness games are closer in general but in the regular season i mean they were making it look like nobody belonged on the same floor as them for a real long time Mm. Yeah, I could see the the last two games of his March Madness career this past season was the, the really the only two really difficult games. It seems like he shot sixteen percent against San Diego State, nine points, and then he had nineteen against Maryland, but he shot twenty nine percent. Yeah, and I wouldn't say that that's him not playing well in the clutch because it's like go look at the SEC tournament, you know, mm. where they're playing yeah. for a championship technically, um, but. I would just say that that was kind of a that ties into just March Madness this year. It was weird one, but also just in general, like it's a much more defensive game. It's a different it's different when you get in that tournament. But speaking of defense, Ethan, I haven't talked about his blocks yet. And Mm. that's really the main thing that sticks out on tape when it comes to Brandon Miller's defense. Um, There there weren't a bunch of possessional highlights that I saw where he's one on one and he's just like Gary Payton them you know, clapping the floor and just locking him up. Um, there were actually a lot of times on these blocks, he gets beat and then makes up for it, trailing them. 
Um, okay. But that's and, and that's still a good thing. And I'm not that's not all of them. Actually, maybe a lot wasn't the best word. But on a few here and there, he does get beat and then trails them and beats them. A lot of times they're they're in transition. So that's not his man. He's just really good at tra- uh, chase down blocks and transition, which you love to see. Um, and obviously being six, nine, having that seven foot wingspan. That does. There were a few highlights in there, though, Ethan, where he really did kind of just put the clamps on, and it was like they were trying to get around him. They, you know, they work their way into the paint. They try to get a fadeaway, and he still swats it. Um, so he can be a menace in that way too. But I would say um, defensively, his on-ball defense, just his stance, that's a place where he could maybe get taken advantage of in the NBA. Um, at least in his first, you know, couple of seasons. But I, I still think there's a ton of potential there for sure. I would just say that coming into the league, the most sure thing on offense is shooting. The most sure thing on defense is his blocks. Defensively, I'm a little less worried, only because, like you said, six nine, seven foot wingspan. He has the tools to do it, and as long as he has the personality to accept it, the Spurs are an organization that Pop will tell him. You're not going to get the he ball. He's going to play defense here. Yeah. You got Devin and Keldon. They're scoring. You know, we're, we're throwing the ball into Zach Collins. Like, I get that yeah. you're the second, third overall pick, but you're locking up. You and Sohan get in the gym and just play one-on-one. Like, you're going to get better <laughs> at defense. Right. Um, so, I'm not too worried about that. As long as he's willing to accept it. Some guys aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I think he will be. And I think especially with everything that went down, I know that sounds – this this may sound – like kind of like a contradiction, I guess you could say, from the actions, if you will. But mm-hmm. I really think he because they, I'm sure he understands that he's not stupid, and there's a reason why his stock hasn't fallen. I'm sure that there's so much work that his mm-hmm. agent had to do, telling teams like, "Hey, this is still a good kid. Like this was just you know a really crappy situation." You know what I mean? Um, I think he's really going to have his act together. So I, I think that he would definitely be willing to just do whatever, you know, be the best teammate he possibly can be and do whatever he can for the team because there is still that stuff looming in the background, you know, for every team. So I think he's definitely going to be, you know, on his best behavior for sure. But I really don't think, you know, in the interviews and all that stuff, and even when he gets hype on the court, I don't don't really get that that vibe from him. So I think he's, I, I really want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I know a lot of people hated the thing that he his teammates like frisked him, you know, in that game oh, after. Yeah, all this. Yeah, yeah. I loved that because I think that's absolutely hilarious. Like that's something that I would do. Um, like I, I don't give him any crap about that. Like sure, we can look into the situation itself, but the the coming out and frisking and that's just that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> well, and he dropped forty. Yeah, like. That's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up, Ethan, because if you want to take a positive from that whole situation, it's that under adversity, he can perform because he, he mm-hmm. played the best game you could argue of the season when in the heat of all of that. Mm. And it was a big game for Bama, too. Like, so yeah. under pressure, he can perform. And he really like pressure all real, year. real, like real pressure. Like mm. you might. Yeah. Not only that, but 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 like pressure like you might not get to mm-hmm. you know live the life that you thought you in the True. public you know True. so i got one last question for you jude and if you have any final okay. comments you can jump in after this question i but, think um, i got them wrapped up actually got them wrapped up okay so here it is <laughs> spurs land at number two overall pick victor goes number one obviously who are you drafting if you're in the war room okay I'm going to be real blunt here, Ethan. So I, or not blunt, honest, well, blunt and honest, kind of the same thing. Bluntly honest. I'm much higher 
on Brandon Miller at number two than I was before doing the deep dive into his highlights. And I also think he fits with the Spurs much better, especially with all of his playmaking highlights. With all of that being said, Ethan, I'm still going Scoot Henderson. Um, Not just because of fit and the -the off-the-court stuff, but just plainly, and I've said this in other videos and I'll say it again here, when Brandon Miller was playing high school basketball, Scoot Henderson was playing in the G League against pros. He's done it for two seasons. I just that I can't ignore, you know. Um, yeah. And I know that a lot of people are, you know, there, there's a lot of comments that, that the article just came out about Scoot thinking he should go number one. But it's like, what else is he going to say, dude? Yeah, I like that. Like, I like, that. like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. I like that, too. So. Anyways, I, that's why I would go with Scoot Henderson over Brandon Miller. Not only is it a better fit for San Antonio, and do I, I think they're both future all-stars anyway at their mm-hmm. position. Um, so, yeah. So I'm assuming if we have the third pick and Scoot gets taken too, you'd select? Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Yeah. Yes, I would. I would. Um, okay. You know, but if we get to that, we'll get into this later, I'm sure, with our next mm-hmm. two uh, prospect profiles, because it'll probably be over some two particular twins. Um, mm-hmm. If that ends up being the case and like Eamon Thompson gets picked ahead of him and they're just like, you know, we like him at point. We think he's very similar to Scoot, you know, and their play styles are very similar. There's questions about shooting. I think that Scoot's jump shots in a better place. That's that's a little into the weeds and not Brandon Miller. But the, I wouldn't be mad at it because I just trust the Spurs and they're, you know, they're scouting more than my own eyes and, and, and YouTube deep digging. Um, but yes, if I was Brian Wright at number three, I would pick Brandon Miller. Words of wisdom from Jude McLaren, who will eventually be hired by the San Antonio Spurs front office. Yes. (laughs) As their draft expert and general manager. Hit me Uh, up, be right. Yeah, please do be right. Yeah, I I would look, I'll take it. I could be Jude's assistant, his lovely assistant that actually hands the pick to the guy on draft night. That'll be (laughs) my job. Because I did the intro, Jude, and you have such great timing with your outro. I'm going to toss it over to you and let you you finish off this video. I'll see you have all the controls. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the, the most importantly yeah, yeah thank you ethan for being the dan patrick today i really appreciate it you gave me some some great lobs there and i hope i threw it down like blake griffin always and for you guys watching if you enjoyed don't forget to like and subscribe below please hit that like button hit that subscribe button we really appreciate it on the road to a thousand we appreciate all the support recently and if you want to stay updated with the show follow us on twitter you can watch it at sspn on yt when we do anything live and to stay updated with all the prospect profiles and stuff like this you can follow us on twitter at jude mclaren and at ethan underscore quintero thanks for hanging out with us today tell us what you think of brandon miller below and we'll see y'all later